And now, insurance-minded speeches from GEICO. It's a common expression, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. However, what if the horse's mouth is filled with useful insurance tools? This is the exact case with the GEICO app. Yes, the app is free and therefore a gift horse. However, look inside the app and behold, emergency roadside assistance, digital ID cards, bill pay. Get the GEICO app, look it in the mouth, get amazing services. Thank you. Blog Talk Radio. Well, apparently it's not going to start, I guess. That's okay. I, I we, we, it's been a while since we've uh, had a technical difficulty. Yeah, I don't know. The, I, wonder if the, <laughs> I wonder if the intro stuff played and it just kicked us out of it. Anyway. Hello. Hello, everybody. <laughs> and welcome to RU Instant Reaction <laughs> Review. Oh, man. I, I am it. your host, RUScreening.com's own Mark Eastman. <laughs> and with me, as always, is co-host extraordinaire Shane, <laughs> I Can Make It Snow, Leonard. Yeah, hello. <laughs> that was funny. That was a cute trick yesterday yeah, when I, you just uh, called down. I just br- I'm like Thor. Yeah, that was uh, and I had to call it out to you too. I I took no yeah. time texting you and be like, look what I just did. No, because I was uh, driving yeah. home thinking, really? <laughs> How I'm, did I'm you drive down right? the street? Real, all of a sudden, it just starts pouring yeah. snow on my car. Anyway, yeah. Uh, this week we're catching up with Chappie uh, because right. we we didn't have a show last week, so. Um, uh, you know, I don't even remember. You had to go skiing. Yeah, I was, I was on a ski trip. Uh, yeah, that, that right. threw everything off. And uh, then we're also doing Run All Night. Um, yep. And our apologies to all those people who want us to do Cinderella, I guess. But right. Not just playing cards, but man, that one uh, took off. That, <laughs> well. And, and uh, Run is actually not doing as bad as I thought it would. Yeah. It's doing like okay. Right. I mean, it's. Everyone's taking their kids to right yeah. now, so it's only going to do so good. But, right. But uh, I was very nervous about uh, Run All Night making any money at all, really. Um, yeah. Because it's just the trailers are odd, and it's one of those trailers, you know, so we talk about the trailers uh, as, as, as our, much as we can, our gimmicky yeah. nonsense thing we do. And, you know, the trailer almost looks to me like one of those trailers you get every once in a while where you kind of go, well, now I don't need to see it. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. You, you, just, you get everything. You did get you, too much. Did you get – is it too early to ask? Did you get the movie you thought the trailer gave you? I think I pretty much did. It's so a, I, It's a fairly accurate not, representation it's not a misleading, of yeah, what's going on. Yeah, there's no misleading on. stuff yeah. there. You pretty much get what you get. And, and it is one of those All. movies where you might wonder – yeah. When you see the trailer, if they're not holding back some, you know, double twist or, well, you know, whatever. It, before, you know, we'll do Chappie first, I assume, and then whatever business, you know, before that, we'll do whatever email and yeah. whatever notices and stuff. But the one thing that was really weird is I was about 15 or 20 minutes into the movie, and we saw it yesterday. Um, and I thought, man, maybe the trailer is misleading. But even though it's the trailer's film, you don't get it. There's no, actually almost like no, three little vignette things that set themselves up, and that was weird, but kind of cool because I wasn't expecting it. Right. I don't know that it makes it good or not, but it was interesting. Right. I didn't think it's happening that there way. There is, if there is a, a little bit of a shift from the trailer, I think it's when we kick off the movie, uh, where Liam Neeson kind of is. Right. Right. He's, uh, you know, he's kind of past his prime, trying to sell. The you know the other movies he's in like Taken and thing, we're not trying to sell the idea that he maybe he's a little too old. He's what, exactly the right age. What we're for trying what to are. What, yeah. yeah, what we're trying to sell <laughs> is that he yeah. got the experience from being yeah. as old as he is. Right. That now is when you really don't want to mess. Oh, with Oh right, yeah. And here we're you know going a different way. Right. We're going. Eh, maybe he's, he's been in the uh, game a bit too long. Right. And yeah. now he drinks a lot. And, right. And does not do any of the things. <laughs> right. Uh, so he's a criminal, right? Yeah. And and so now he's long past when he 
actually did anything. Right. He's just that, got reputation now. Right, People right. cross the street because they know Jimmy's coming. Right. Rather than, well, what's Jimmy going to do? But you he know? is uh, he is really kind of like today, if you saw like the enforcer mm-hmm. of some guy who was a big mobster right. you know, 20 years ago. Right. You would go, yeah, I'm still going to cross the street. <laughs> But yeah. I'm not especially scared of you or right. anything. I'm not right. gonna like run right. for the hill. Right? I, I, I thought the I, I thought the was pretty near. I, I guess I'll say the movie tried to have more nuance. I'm not gonna give away the rating yeah, yet, whether sure. it succeeded or not. But it certainly tried to be more uh, than just a superficial kind of like run. Right. You know. So except there are some parts where yeah. Anyway, but anyway we, we, we you, won't you pretty much jump get the all the way yeah. into that. Uh, so before we get to either Chappie or Run All Night, yeah. uh, we do have uh, one email question that, that I I suppose will respond to at least. Cool. And uh, it was an interesting email. Uh, we got several emails over the last couple weeks, and you know they still kind of seem to be trailing in on like our Oscar picks yeah, or response sure. to it's the Oscars, close. stuff like that. But we did get one question, and it was uh, easy to remember, so I don't have it in front of me. It was Carrie yeah. from Bank. Hey, all right. So, uh, uh, and it was, uh, I thought, a, a brilliantly nondescript question okay. in, a, in a way. Because, uh, so the question is, there was, right after the Oscars, there was kind of this, uh, I, I don't know, uproar a bit. And I guess it was not quite uproar. Just before you get to uproar. Right. About... Um, <laughs> non-white representation yeah. in the Oscars. And, uh, you know, there were even people who threw out things like that. Some sort of percentage of nominees yeah. should not be white every year or something because right. that would be, you know, whatever. Right. And uh, and so with the question, the email I thought was great because it just, just like uh, I don't remember exactly, but just basically like respond to that. Yeah. Like I am not going That's to good. let you know what side. Let me hear your thoughts. But what, what are, are you? What are you? Yeah. 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 Oh, I thought that was interesting. That is a cool. uh, way to send. And a, that is a good way to send do a it. question. Um, you know, for me, the the whole thing is obviously very tricky, right? And uh, you you hear these things every year. Every year, somebody somewhere. Uh, you know, looks at every character in every film that comes out and says, here's the percentage of black actors in movies and percentage of, you know, Hispanic actors in movies. And we get like this whole that talk all the time. Yeah. And uh, in some general way, it's... Uh, <laughs> hello. <laughs> um, in some general way, it's, it's a, I think, true statement that... Uh, Maybe there is not a whole lot of representation of yeah. non-white people in movies, and and you get things like of the nominees, it, even especially if you say like nominated for everything, right? Never mind Best Picture or whatever, but nominated for every award. Here's the percentage that, that have uh, main characters who are non-white, right? And, and the whole thing, right? And, you know, I'm kind of behind the general sentiment that maybe we should be aiming for mixing that up a little. Right. But as soon as there's a number involved in it, yeah, then I get really worried about what's going on, right? right. Because then it's like, uh, you know, how, how, how do you even work that? Because you have to take tell the studios that, you know, 30% of the movies you make have to right. have. And... And it gets very troublesome for me in like locking down a number and saying, this is what has to happen. You right. have to do this. And then every independent filmmaker, all of a sudden, it's like, you know, you made two movies that were all white people. So right. now either you can't make a movie or, I mean, it's like, right. it, how do you actually make something happen with a number? Right. Is very weird. And then when you start talking about awards, then I get really scared. Right, that, and now the Oscars are changing their number again. Yeah. So now it's not going to be there. It's not going to be ten. It's going to be the same anymore. Remember, not long ago, all of a sudden they said it was going to be 10. Mm. not. That was 
Not, not, yeah. not an algorithm, just 10. Right. Yeah, no, it was like six years ago yeah. or you yeah. know, something like that. And then they had like a couple of years maybe of having 10. I think maybe they yep. had two. And then all of a sudden they said, yeah, that's goofy. It could be so eight. We're going to have, yeah. have an algorithm that will give us between like five and 10. <laughs> and now we've had a couple of years of that. Now all of a sudden it's going to be a whole new algorithm. They yeah. may abandon it and go back to five. Yeah. We don't know what's going to happen. Anyway, but so let's just say for the sake of argument that it's 10. Right. And then what are you going to say like, Two of two of those ten have to be movies that have a significant number of the major roles in the movie yeah. played by non-whites. Yeah, I don't like that yeah. idea. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I like the idea that we should somehow aim to make it so that that will like happen, right? Because we're making more good movies and. You telling know, better giving, stories, giving yeah. non-white people better roles in general, right. or you know whatever. But as soon as you like start saying, "Well, these two, then first of all, you know, there's two movies out of ten that are better than those movies that can't get nominated. I don't like that. Right. But I also don't like the fact that then you nominate those movies and then you go, well, are they really good or right. are they, you know, I mean, it's not like there's no benefit of the doubt for the talent involved anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. It's it. Yeah. Then, then all of a sudden, you know, it's I just feel like that makes it worse almost yeah. if you start doing stuff like that. And and I don't, I don't know, I I don't like attaching a number to it. So yeah. that was kind of the uproar. Yeah, right around it was. Look, it should be this number, and and, and then you know, there's it, it kind of revolves around Selma yep. because uh, whether it does or doesn't get nominated for any of the things that it doesn't does or doesn't get nominated for, and you know, all of the uproar of that, I I, I don't even like that the way that went down exactly because quite frankly, I don't think it's that good a movie. And by the time you have these people uh, arguing about it and like picking it as the thing to like rally behind, then it's kind of hard to differentiate from saying, uh, look, this is a movie about non-white people and therefore has to be good and nominated. Right. And then you're, well, what is that now? Right. I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't, I, it's, it's, I, it's tricky. It's, it's, it's very tricky. It's tricky. It's and it goes in a cycle um, of sorts. And I'm I'm with you of the same mind that I am all for more diversity. I think there's a lot of talented people out there who can act, direct films, tell stories, and let's hear more of their stories because it would be great to diversify things. But it, it's it, it's also you're gonna have to see that stuff outside of the Hollywood because everything is a superhero or a sequel or a superhero sequel. Right. And that's what's making money and that's what that's what that show business part of business is, you know. Right. So they're not likely to take a lot of chances on things unless they can monetize the hell out of it. However, it would be really great to see more different stories instead of the same waspish 30 to 40 year old guy who has the same problems in every film everywhere right. on and on. I, I agree with you there. And I agree with you that putting a number on it is the absolute worst thing to do. Because, again, then I would feel horrible if I put up a film and it got nominated and I would think, well, I deserve it because, you know, I, I worked hard. But, man, am I getting this because it's a good film or it's just the only Hispanic, Latino, African-American right, film right. with soccer players this year? Like, well, there was no other, you know, there was no other entry. So I got, like, I would feel horrible if that was it. You see this happen if you watch films long enough or if you pay attention or if you just, you know, you care enough to read about history. It, it's happened a few times in the last 10 or 15 years where there's been the year of the woman. Right. You get your Thelma and Louise films or you get Catherine Bigelow sweeping awards for her work. And, and good, great. And then the next year, there's no women directors or no films. You know, and, and what happens is you, you get a sense that people who love those stories and want to see more equality want to build on the success of the previous year. Last year, 12 Years a Slave was really big. Lapita Nyong'o, you know, won. And then right, this right. year, there's no African-Americans recognized. And right. I understand what that does. You know, I, I get it. Um, and what you want to see is some sort of cadence and consecutive, repetitive, reliable kind of thing. Because there are films. But again, you know, does someone get it? Because it was 
about Martin Luther King and we've got to recognize how great he is. Like, no. Right, right. If you're not a great film, you still don't get it. And that's part of the trick. Um, and it's timely again this year because last year, 12 Years a Slave was so dominant. So, again, I'm not surprised we're hearing about it. But I'm with you. Like, yeah, let's let's maybe put the direction towards really recognizing good talent and hoping talent tells better stories. Right. And that talent can find a way to make their stories reach a different audience. In, in a weird way, that ties into Chappie, too, because you got a guy who's really just telling a Johannesburg story over and over again to some aspect. And there aren't a lot of Johannesburg stories in contemporary American film. But, right. And let's attention to it. So maybe that big gats other things. That's wrong, too. Like, I would love the idea, right. but I don't want to put, like, you need 16% of all Hollywood films to have 22% of all black actors, and they got to right. carry 18% of all Mexican screenwriters. Like, don't. Right. Because now you're not you're not really giving people opportunity. You're just filling slots. Right. And then and it, that's as insulting as anything. And, and, you know, and then the worst part about that for me is that, uh, you know, it, as much as it isn't, in a way, a business, it also is yeah. a business. And, you know, you've got people at the studios who are like the number crunchers yeah. who, who are going to figure out they're doing money ball, what you know? they're doing yeah. with their numbers. And, you know, they're going to start movies and go, yeah. well, so there. Right. There's Right. Figure out a way. What is going on? We have a big fan a roaming in the house. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, we'll do Chappie first, and uh, then we'll get to uh, the Run other all night. the other awesome yeah. movie that we're doing. <laughs> so you know, Chappie for one thing, um, we should uh, uh, give our our star ratings. Look, really, we're about two minutes really off quickly. from where. Yeah, we, we, we are. I we, love it. We went out. We I love that one. I love out. the theory. Our uh, our producer's not here today right, to yeah. flash numbers <laughs> at us and stuff. Uh, you know, Chappie is weird because uh, the response to it is weird. Yeah. And uh, I, I guess it's doubly weird because, you know, so Neil Blomkamp comes out with District 9, uh, which I didn't love as much as everybody else, but I yeah. liked it and I kind of appreciated it yeah. a decent amount. I really liked a, it. A lot of people loved it. I was pretty close to loving it. I really, really had yeah. fun with it. It was uh, really great. I, I liked it a lot. And uh, even the parts that I didn't like, I was like, you know, here's this guy. And I was on board, right? Yeah. And then Elysium comes out and everyone has to go see it. And then they see it and they go, oh, well, that one's so great. Right. All right, I yeah. guess. And and But there was not much of a reaction that was strictly Neil Blomkampy. Right, and the movie kind of was very different yeah. from District Nine, and yeah. it was clearly like a bigger movie studio kind of force thing going on. And this movie comes out, and this movie to me is a little bit more like what you would ex- have expected to come out right after District Nine. Right, it, it feels more like you're with the same guy, mm-hmm. and you know whatever. And so now there is. Uh, kind of a reaction going around of people going, "What the hell, Neil?" Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. And it's weird that you would you get that now because this movie just feels like it, it's more connected to him or something. Yeah, and uh, and and anyway, so um, I, I guess we should just throw out our ratings. Um, you know, I have to tell you, I both love and hate this film. And it's very difficult for me to get my star rating exactly where I want to be because as soon as I have I've thought about my rating a lot on this movie. Yeah. So it's not our instant reaction. But uh when I first left the theater, I was at about like a three. Wow, really? And like an hour huh. and like an hour after we left the theater, I was at about like a seven and a half. <laughs> and then, That's a big jump. And there's there's a lot of stuff that I really like about this, and there's a lot of stuff that I really hate about it. Yeah. So it's just weird. And I think the thing uh, walking right out of the theater was that I thought the end was kind of a weird, pop-out, goofy ending. Uh, I didn't yeah. like the ending. Yeah. I thought the ending kind of didn't, you know, I don't know. It didn't follow for me as much as I hoped 
for what I was going to get out of what it seemed to be trying to do. Anyway, I think I'm at about a four for this one. Wow. So you went three and a half to seven and a half. Well, three to seven and a half. Yeah. And you went all the way back to four. Yeah. Yeah. I, there was, I mean, look. The, there was, like I said, uh, there was a lot of stuff I really liked. And there, first of all, one of the things that really took me down a lot is there was a fair amount of the time that I was really bored because it was really obvious exactly what was going to happen mm-hmm. for at least the next 10 minutes. Yeah. And then you get 10 minutes later, and again, it was really obvious what was going to happen for the next 10 minutes. And then, and I just, that was not what I was looking for yeah. in what this was doing. Anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, I'm it, at four. It's a, it's a two-hour film that, for me, felt almost two hour and 30 minutes. It just, it, it seemed to go on in a lot of ways. And, you know, I'll, I'll throw it out quick. I'm six and a half. I'm a little bit above average. I felt a lot of disappointment only in that I think Neil Blomkamp is a real talented guy and I love his world building skills and I love his, I love his action, you know, and I love the way his films look. But at this point with his third effort, bite the whole, uh, you know, iron giant short circuit Wally uh, right, kind of right. like AI thing, which I'm, it hits enough of my, you know, soft spot of curiosity. Sure. You basically take those guys and you drop them into a RoboCop world or a Judge Dredd world, and here's what you've got, you know? And and that's interesting to me. But so much of his films now feel just like each other. Like, there's a very funny, uh, fun or die short film. I mean, short, short. It's like three minutes long, and it's it's basically saying why all Tim Burton's movies are the same. Right. And it's, and it's funny, but true. Neil Blomkamp at this point is kind of doing the same thing. He's swapping out just one protagonist and put a different one in, and it's almost or, I, I yeah, want to watch the one ground thing we have right. to deal with. Yeah, and then, you know, and I love yeah. the idea in this film. He's got he's got great ideas, and I don't mean great as in like outstanding. I mean great massive. He these things he wants to be, and part of that is from success of District 9, like the segregation, you know, the oppression, the classic quality that he went on to do in Elysium. And he's got these things. But one of the things that seems really distressing is when he gets distracted or bored with the the weight of his own issues, he just wants to blow shit up. Right, right. And when he starts doing that, it's it's fun and it's exciting and it still looks good, but I am not necessarily invested in any aspect of it because it just feels like We've had maybe 20 minutes of narrative for a while, and now that means we have to, by the equation of film, you know, actions, we have something blow up. For me, you know, I, I think I think there's a lot of stuff going on, and I wish his story was kind of facilitated by narrative more than distracted explosions right. and, and things like uh-huh. that. Because there's a lot of stuff that he's doing, and I love so much the aesthetic of his film, which isn't a reason to get, you know, so totally invested in things. But I think like here in this case, one of the things that would have been more impressive for the story would have been undertones, you know, AI, the the stuff that they have. Yeah. It's not even just nature versus nurture, but one of the things that's really cool is, you know, what about afraid of, you know, is it that we're afraid it will be smarter than us? And in this film, it kind of treads that line, but then it kind of answers like, no, maybe it will replicate the worst of us. Because he certainly shows the bangers and the hip-hop crowd, you know, the, the less fortunate people as being bad. And in this case, certain are bad. They have good moments of nurturing. But but really run with that and, and, and pair it all off when Dion comes back because he's the guy that made him. And he's like, no, Chappie, I'm your creator. Listen to me. Right. Like, there's a whole, there's a whole great Frankenstein thing going on there. Well, especially and, when he when he looks at his maker and he's like, "Why did you make me to die?" Great questions, but he can't answer any of them because he's too busy facilitating a robbery, right? And another twenty minute helicopter scene. And and, and I the only thing you know before we get right back into the to the back and forth of it, I actually liked the ending, even though it goes against everything I just said because the ending is the exact ending of District Nine. You know, it's well, basically like you know, the same idea. And you the parts that nine does this well, weird like mockumentary well so what is it like, what yeah because um, i i actually did like the end a lot not like the last second no no i know what you mean but yeah 
what the, precipitates the ending the whole, to get there. Uh, once we get there, uh, people live forever. Right. <laughs> yeah. Once that's, you become immortal. That's, yeah. that's pretty much the part that we spoiled that. Really? We're pretending we didn't spoil something by <laughs> right. saying that. Um, you know, the thing for me is that there's so much going on in this movie that on the one hand, it feels like Neil Blomkamp can't manage his own material. He's really not in charge of it all. And really on the can't be, other yeah. hand, it seems like, yeah, there's a bunch of guys in suits that are right. going, yeah, except I need 17 more minutes of explosion. Now right. get it in there. Right. And he's going, uh, uh. see, it, this is a very tricky movie for me to say, well, N- Neil Blomkamp had this great idea and it obviously got ruined by the studio. Right. Because there are a lot of things in it that are also really goofy that I know are his things. Right, exactly. Right. right. Um, especially for me, like, I don't know, maybe people love them in this movie, but, you know, the, the two the two main, uh, I don't know, the two main bad guy losers right. who kidnap right. him, who are... Uh, Mommy and Daddy, basically. Uh, right. You who know, are, ninja and are a, a South African rap group, right. actually, right. that he decided he needed to have in his film in, like, really big roles. Right. You know, and they weren't good. <laughs> I mean, actually, she was not horrible. Right. Um, she was not great either, but she was not horrible. Yeah. But the rest of that whole thing, you know... I know you want to like support everything from South Africa. Right. I don't know your did they pay to be in the movie? I don't know yeah. what's going on, but they weren't good. And right. and it was really distracting that they are such an integral part of everything happening. Yeah, and they're always around, and and they're not good. Yeah, and, and you know, and he did that. The studio did yeah, not sure. say, "Look, right. I want you to throw." In we got to do these South yeah. African right. rap group as actors in your <clears> thing. But for me, it's like there's so much going on. Like he's got this whole, you know, religious kind of biblical thing going on. Like you said, of uh, you know, why why did you put me in a body that you knew was going to die? Right. When you go, hmm, and I'm religious, and right. I guess God kind of did that to me, didn't right. he? And then he's got this whole, you know, um, all of the horrible people living in the slums in South Africa are actually like fairly nice people if you just give them a chance or, you know, whatever. There's all this stuff going on, and and there are more than that. I mean, there's uh, Hugh Jackman being a, you know, nut job about uh, religion religion paired off yeah. against AI. I mean, it wasn't bad enough that we just had AI. Right. But we had... And not just his reaction to AI, like uh, we have a general reaction from like a scientific maybe standpoint of I'm scared of AI, but we had more his religious, you know, abomination trying to make AI as evil kind of thing. And he's got like 10 different things going on. And he's, you know, like you said, he has so much stuff to blow up that he can't do any of it. Right. He only can kind of, you know, give you like a little index card of it. Yeah. And go, so I want to talk about it for a minute. Okay, right. Right. Like he has this, you know, run in like I'm talking about. Um, Chappie at least kind of thinks about it. Chappie, by the way, who is uh, uh, Charlto Copley. Copley, who yeah. has been in all his he's the other, other movies. Yeah. Which uh, you wouldn't necessarily think that was him. No, <laughs> sounds like him enough, but you know, but yeah, doesn't look like him much. But uh, <clears throat> he has to be in every movie, so it's kind of cool. I'm actually. all right with that. Yeah, but so Chappie gets to think about this whole my creator, and mm-hmm. he gets to be mad at him for right. when he finds out. But then there's so much other stuff going on. There's how much we have to blow stuff up. There's how much uh, you know the South African rap group has to paint their album covers onto Chappie, which that's what they actually do. Yeah, yeah. they actually are their album yeah. artwork and slogans and stuff. Yeah, there's like all this stuff that has to happen in this time, and none of it, it you know, it's all so that we can't pay attention to any one thing yeah. very much. And maybe it's like maybe if I just say everything, then something will work. Will stick, right? You know, 
Well, sorry, go ahead. No, well, I was going to say, as far as I know, and I'm very ignorant about this, admittedly, uh, Ninja and Yolandi, who are Yolandi, and I don't know if his name is Ninja in the film. I think it is. I think they call him Ninja. It is. I think they just basically are playing a version of themselves. For all I know, they are super political musicians, and maybe that's why they get this exposure instead of just the chumbawamba of the day right. so i i don't know and if and if that's true then then this is because i haven't spent the time to look it up because i don't care right okay because for me to like the movie i don't have to care right tell me the story give me the characters make them work put them in in- interesting situations and resolve conflict amongst them and he's trying but he's distracted and you know there are things about the films that he does that i really really love and if he continued to focus on his strengths which isn't just the aesthetic. Look, he's a great world builder. He really makes his worlds look like when Chappie is doing things, he looks leaps and bounds like he's right there in front of people. I don't, I don't know if it's motion capture. Anim- I, don't, right. I don't care. It looks great. It looks beautiful. And I love his version of the future, even though it's very sad, like it's very down. Right. But it looks yeah. more It looks more interesting and believable Blade Runner kind of way without that dial turned all the way to like 50. Right. Like it just looks like that direction we're heading in. And this is a story that could really be happening, but focus more on things with characters or, or with situations. Like if, if we have to sit through and endure what felt like at least 30 minutes of pseudo parental programming, like just because you want to show that imprinting works, I, I, we already know that. But if you want Chappie who is supposed to be at, at like an accelerated learning curve, which they, promote in the film. They literally say he's learning so much faster, but right. yet he, it takes a long time for him to learn because it doesn't suit the story. But, right. But then, see, that's another problem like that drove me I, I had, too, is that, you know, he learns really fast and it's kind of, it's funny in a not very funny way that all of a sudden he's like looking up on the internet, yeah. like at what age right. kids A two-year-old knows. At, right. at what age they know words or, right. you know, whatever it is. And Chappie like learns you know, exponentially fast and gets to, you know, he gets to like eight or 10 year old or something in like a few days. Right. And then really he just stops. And then he stops. Right. And then that's, he doesn't keep learning. And and if you're going to do that, and especially like over to me by having him look it up on the internet and go, in case you don't know, when kids start doing it now, yeah, I'm going to look at it. Even though I'm this computer genius, I don't know. Because right. I've never, you know, experienced life outside of this right. room or whatever. Right. But then you got to keep going with it. Then by well, the end of the movie, I want him to be, you know, right. How data? Yeah, you know, data, whatever. Right. Well, this is the problem with the story that bummed me out. They they ran too close to explosions instead of fixing this. I mean, we're we're old pros at this. We bring films onto the podcast and we tell you know directors what's wrong with it. We fix it in a second. Exactly. And, and, but that that cynicism doesn't mean we're wrong. I think we're often right. This is a quick fix. You know, one of the things that Dion as the creator has to address is that his maturation is stagnated for the same reason that's as perplexing as why he exists in the first place. And that that's the danger that as a kid, he's too impressionable, that you're too imprinting on him. And these people are going to show him the bad things too much. There's a whole subtext of story that they don't even see as there as a problem because don't even take the time to see that they're missing it. Right. That drove me nuts because I kept waiting for him to start getting smarter, realizing things, and putting things together on his way to transcendence. And, and man, that would have been a, that would have been a great film. But it also would have been more endearing to me for the same reason that the films that I'm talking about, like Wally, although Wally's not a stagnant like humanoid, we just project on him. The Iron Giant, you know, Short right. Circuit with with twenty five, you know, all these things. Uh, you know, we start to care about them because we project like an innocence on them because we see them as children. And we do that with Chappie and it's designed that way, but at least address it if you're going to go out of your way, as you said, so much to say, he's being so clean. No, he's not. And you better address that too. Right. Because and, that's even more dangerous. Right. And it's, that's it, a great idea. It's like either he, yeah, either he has to keep getting smarter. Right. Or at least, you know, at least just have Dion come and say something about right. Not why, is to why, not, is he, why is he not going? Right. And, 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 and you not, don't even have, yeah. even have to give me the ghost in the machine. Just acknowledge it there and be like, we don't know and why. Then, and then the horrible thing uh, for me is that then they do both. And, they, and, then, and at the end, all done, yeah. he ties for like five minutes and he solved all the Got it. 
Right. right. Yeah. And that you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> right. uh, the dude was just, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, but figure out how we're getting there. Not it just, was, you know, you can't, you can't uh, make your whole movie out mm-hmm. of the outline. Right. By knowing a line. Well, you know, I'm with you. I, I, I had a lot of fun watching it because I like Neil's films and I like his aesthetic and I like the way he's really conveying and leveraging real world issues, even if they're South African or, or Johannesburg specific. I feel like they're extrapolated elsewhere. I feel like this could be bigger things, especially with ECM, even though it wasn't the hit that District 9 should have made. Maybe I like District 9 more than I liked Chappie. And I agree it should have been his second film. I think this should have been two instead of three, but maybe I liked it more because District Nine was new and I didn't know him or what he was doing. Maybe, right. maybe the shine completely out of nowhere. You maybe no the shine is wearing off. Yeah. And, and in that way, what I'm trying to say is, I really hope he focuses on if if he stays with it, the Alien film that he wants to do. Right. And because he really needs, I think, either to be the director but not the screenwriter, or the cinematographer and not the director. I want to see right. his work when he's got something behind it except his own message because now he's becoming too patent about his own message i really th- i really felt that this was a super formulaic film like you yeah. said at the beginning i know the next 10 or 15 minutes because i've seen his other two films i know exactly what's going to happen and then by the time we really believe the climax of this film is to set is to set itself up and take off you know, I, I've seen the end. Right. I, I felt like I knew the end 20 minutes before when, when, and this was kind of okay, but for people who haven't really seen these films, I liked Hugh Jackman's character. I didn't like what they made him do. Right. By the time he sends what can only be from Robocop, the Ed 209 after Chappie, right. the moment he puts that battle in place, I, I realized, you know, this is, this is exactly the way the film going to end. And see Hugh Jackman maybe act for a change. In that regard, also a way to have Sigourney Weaver. She doesn't do anything. Yeah, I couldn't jump for hours. But she's there to work aliens, you know. And for people who maybe are reasoning over it, Neil Blomkamp is supposed to be the front runner for the new aliens entry into the film, which doesn't even acknowledge the later films. It just picks up after the second James Cameron film, and people are really excited, like me. I think that's a great idea. I'd love to see it. Right, but she's got no place in this film. She, yeah, like you said, she was there for craft services in an hour. She was there for lunch. It was crazy, yeah. And and she had, uh, it was a little bit disjointed for me in the way that her scenes come out of the movie because it's so clear that that's exactly what happened. I agree. Yeah, it's so clear from where where she shows up Mm -hmm. in this movie. She literally was on set for like an hour. Yeah. And it was like, okay, take five and then come back and do this. Right, scene. put this different quote on and now be right. scared. Right. You know? And I, I distracted myself. I'm sorry, I distracted myself to just say that I agree with you wholly in that I, I had fun with it until I got kind of disappointed in it. Yeah. And it took a lot. It really removed a lot of stuff because I didn't feel like the aesthetic was good enough. And right. that they were hitting, they were focusing on all the, the wrong points. Like I thought there was a long and they just skipped and I kept more bored and then yeah exactly and you know, I close up on this movie I yeah. guess I do have to say too a lot of the other things that reasons that it really dragged me down yeah uh, when I was watching it first of all there's so much in it that happens that is a nonsensical explanation of what's going to happen later that it, that it got so tired and Doesn't boring just you know once. Steal the key. Hugh Jackman gets the key. Hugh Jackman is being a jerk in this way because (laughs) we want to show you that he's a jerk so that later and this, you know, all these like set up things that are just, you know, not what you got in District 9. Right. I mean, District 9 was not the greatest movie that ever happened. Instead, a lot of people like it more than me. But at least all the time, like it was you know, practically right. a Scooby-Doo show right. where everything is just set yeah. up. Exactly. And the other thing that really uh, pulled me out of this film early, and luckily I kind of got back into it, was all of the stuff that I just couldn't believe the 
bad people were doing. Yeah. And, you know, Dion goes in there and he's like, you know, they just keep letting him leave. Right. And, you know, they just keep not caring that he shows up. And, you know, it's it was just all like you have he has to leave because that works for later. movie, Right. And whether that works for who these characters really supposedly are, too bad. Yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, there's got to be to, you know, work that out. Yeah. Some other theory of how he comes to this place. <laughs> but, you know, it was just so disappointing to me. If you're going to call the movie Chap, have it be all about this AI and all about all this stuff, you know, focus a little bit yeah. more on that instead of trying to do everything all in the one movie. It was, yeah. it was like he made this movie and knew that he had like six months to live. You know, and he's Everything I ever want to say in a movie, I just have put to make this. in this one yeah. because I just have to right. get it out right now. Right. I mean, it was. Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, we're hypothesizing for an for an angle, but yeah, it it feels like that way. Or someone was like, "Look, you can only make three. Right. right. Everything you need to say has. And to then be we're the not one. giving you any more. Because in in closing for this, yeah, I feel like this is actually a really interesting story here with drones, with militarization of police forces, with everything they up until he actually figures out. Everything actually up until Chappie appears, uh, I'm on board. I'm right. solid. I'm like, this is Robocop, but still, I'm I'm still kind of interested it's in fun. this. It's fun. It's fun, and yeah, it's got sure. my trust. Right. Chappie, by no means, ruins story. Pushes it. Man, they just they just let in ways if that I should have, never have if done. If you'd it. have taken the, so. the one scene where uh, Chappie actually confronts him about yeah. building him to make him in body that he knew was going to die in a few days. Yeah. And the fact Chappie, you know, we're going to say is a true real AI with right. feelings and thoughts of his own and all that stuff, really gets to confront the person who made him and to do it in a way that people have that kind of thing. Yeah. You know? Right. And have something like that where we actually kind of that out, yeah. right? That would be more right. interesting. And I'm sure, Dion would have, if this story with imitations, if the filmmaker would have said, Chappie, don't worry, another four five minutes from my calculations, you're going to be smart enough to figure this out. Don't read the right. come back and talk to them. Right. Short film. This is 19 movie, because Chappie's got figured out. So, anyway. Anyway, all right. Uh, so that's it for that one for uh, Run All Night. Yeah. Now, this is the new one. Uh, Ed Harris, Liam Neeson. Right. Um, as you see from the trailers, uh, by the way, uh, we should say with the trailers. Right. The trailers are insane for yeah. Chappie. And yeah. we talked about that before, I think. We did but briefly. the first one, even from the first trailer to the second trailer, you're not watching the same movie. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, you're really not. And once you get to the actual movie, then you really kind of. I, I don't right. think it's a whole, you know, when I got done watching all the trailers that I was going to watch right. for Chappie, I really thought we had much more of a almost 80s fear of robots taking over. Yeah. We make the robot police and then all of a sudden something goes wrong and right. they become the instrument of the government taking over. Right. And Chap is like saving us from that somehow. Yeah. Something about the fact that we got him to be a true AI is going to save us from the you know robot overlords. Right. That's like a lot more what I thought was going on in this movie. Yeah. And then Hugh Jackman has to take his big thing and go kill Chappie before he prevents the robots from taking. Okay. That's what I thought I was watching going going yeah. in from those trailers. It, it looked more like iRobot than anything right. else. You know, and Chappie was the lone holdout. And, you know, that's not what you get. Yeah. So. All right. Anyway, uh, so run all night. So uh, if you've seen the trailers, like we said, they're pretty good. Liam Neeson, uh, obviously, they spell it all out in the trailer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Ed Harris is some sort of, you know, big mob guy. And I guess in the trailers, we're not really sure that Liam has a connection or whatever. Yeah. Except that <clears throat> Liam Neeson ends up killing Harris's son. And then we see them sitting at the table in the trailer where Ed yeah. says, I know your son. And 
die and all that. Right, right. And it turns out that it really is a bit different from trailers because Liam Neeson and Ed Harris grew up together, have right. known each other uh, all been their lives. Yeah. And uh, Ed Harris kind of came out on top as like the boss, right. and Liam Neeson was like the main, you know, enforcer. Right. And he always remembered him. Whatever. And, and basically, and you've got uh, Ed Harris' son, who's, uh, you know, obviously a jerk. Right. Because right. There, there's no other Daddy option issues, there, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, basically he's trying to prove himself or whatever. He comes up with this drug deal idea and yeah. wants to sell his dad on whatever. But early in the movie, Liam Neeson has to go to him and ask for money. Right. <laughs> you know, because he has no money. <laughs> and his wife him. His hasn't seen forever. Right? Um, and, you know, this It's like you know three it's rooms. Like a porch, you know. Yeah, yeah. Right. it was really weird. And it's like you'd think that Ed Harris would set him up and might a, might give him a right, little money right. if, since they've been friends forever and whatever. But apparently, where we are is that Liam Neeson's been trying to drink himself to death for a while, yeah. and you know whatever. I don't know. And uh, Ed Harris's son doesn't know why his dad keeps him around right. and blah, blah, blah. Right. And uh, obviously the whole fact that, uh, you know, this happens very early on, and the whole fact that he doesn't understand why his dad keeps him around right. is like basically the whole point of the movie, right? Right. right. Uh, and, and, and he's, you know, he's a dumb punk whose dad is a big shot. Right. And it's it's kind of there's this thing in the movie that I think is a little weird, but it's kind of interesting as it plays out in the beginning and then it's gone. But it's, uh, you know, this whole thing where, you know, because he's basically a spoiled brat of a mob boss. Right. He knows his dad is a big shot and he kind of sees what he sees about his dad being a big shot and sort of thinks that's how his dad got to be a big shot right, kind of thing, but right. he's clearly very wrong. And, you know, so this whole thing, well, then, you know, pretty soon he's dead. It, it, so right, that it doesn't over. matter. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and then, and then the whole thing is just Ed Harris and the goons chasing right. Liam Neeson, and he's going to kill him. He's going to kill every Ed Harris is now going to kill everybody Liam Neeson's ever known, mm-hmm. and everyone has to run and stay alive until morning. Even though we don't know what magical thing happens in the morning, but he's <laughs> but if we last that long, Holly will be okay. Right. Right. Who knows? And uh, eventually, Ed Harris uh, puts a hit on him, and that's Common, right. who is who's a very weird hitman. Yeah. Uh, comes out in various ways. And then, you know, the whole, we've got the whole thing where Liam Neeson and his, his kid hates him, mm-hmm. but now he's unfortunately wrapped up in this thing together and he has to, you know, spend time with his dad right. and that whole thing. So, right. so that's the move. What do you, what do you <laughs> give it? Uh, you know, this one is, it, it is a little tricky for me too. Oh, this one's I, easy for me. I give this one like a, I think a two. <laughs> tricky too. It's a a tricky too because I didn't hate it as much as I thought I was going to. Yeah. And you'd figure that'd be worth a little something. Yeah. But but I had very low expectations and... Well, that's... Yeah, that goes a long way too. I'm at three and a half. A lot of the problems with this is that it's just show over everything. It wants to be all these different films that it feels inspired by. I was... I was curious. I even looked it up. Surprised that the guy who wrote this wrote um, Into the Furnace, which I thought was a really well written wow, thing from I'm last surprised. year. And the director has done surprised some fun things. You know, the director's done some things, but I think this. I think all the problems that I have with the film are the director because I I I don't know that. You know, a lot of things of the story. I didn't like the way that the story was kind of given to me. You know, characters are inconsistent. The characters we see in the beginning are totally in, inconsistent than the ones we see at the end. Right. And they only do things, you know, when the main characters, when uh, you could argue that the sons are the main characters, they're the only ones who are consistent, actually, strangely enough. 
Um, Ed Harris's kid is consistent throughout. He's just a dangerous idiot, right? You know, who's got the bad big wig dad, and then he's dead. So, and his kid, and and Michael Conlon, you know, uh, Liam Neeson's kid is pretty consistent. He hates his dad for a lot of stereotypical reasons that obviously get Hallmark played out at the end, and we and we get that. But when when characters need to be affectionate, and you know, you you grew up on the streets together. Eric's like he's been around since Noah. You know, he he just looked really old in this film, which was weird um, to me. But he believes that Jimmy Conlon, this person, it doesn't it doesn't really vibe like what what you were saying. Why he lets him basically eat out a garbage can, right? And do right. These things. I mean, he he really is. It it sounds like we're overplaying that. Well, he basically, is he does, very close to just being a bomb. Right. He shows and he up and he needs for like a he needs these things. But the moment that Liam Neeson as a rundown old enforcer who can't take care of himself and is looked upon fondly by a guy who, who took care of him forever and felt big brotherish. I, I get that. All you're doing is just telling me you're not showing me. Right. You know, and in a story which moves so quickly, if you if you took I feel like if you took Ed Harris and Liam Neeson out of this, basically what you have is the third installment of the Purge films. It felt very much like exist the night and tomorrow for some reason Right. Like you Last said, till the night. there's no reason to believe that, you know, come sun up, well, all bets are off. No, no we'll just hunt you the next day. No, like, and you know, the thing that's weird, too, in like this, is that he doesn't even have a story. He just says, he just says, give me one night. You, like, see that in the yeah. I, I think. He says, give me, just trust me for one night, and then right. you, like, never have to see me again. But then what you find out in the movie <laughs> is that what he says is, and then if I don't figure it out by then. Right, I'll turn myself then, in. And, blah, right, yeah, blah, right, yeah, whatever. Then nothing. <laughs> well, and, and maybe this is, maybe that is problems with writer. I just, I, I don't know what version he turned it in. Uh, maybe this script was done 15 years before Into the Furnace. I, I don't know. Yeah. But I, I do know that that was a film, and the guy seemed to be handling difficult things. Family was much better than this film. Difficult things with family members was, but if you need Neeson to be a staggered, helpless, poor, can't take care of himself, drunk, who's hungry and cold, you got it for the five minutes you need. But later, when the switch needs to be flipped and he's able to, and he has to cops, kick everyone's ass, and he has to right. be, you know, he has to be these guys. Then he's that guy too. I, I never believed the motivations of anybody, and I never believed that in this chess game, when you put them at each other's throats, like you do in that diner scene, and he tells him, you know, this is what I'm coming for, you haven't you haven't shown to me that Ed Harris loved his kid or feels bad, aside that his kid is gone, and his wife gets right, to slap right. him, that he's actually not relieved <clears throat> that this happened. But my kid is my kid, so I'll make you feel my kid, your kid, you're going to look at right. me. Right, it's just I buy any it, of it. No, and it's funny because he calls him, yeah. and then Ed Harris all of a sudden goes, you know where this has to end. Like, it's not right. that it's not that I care about yeah. my kid. It's not that I'm upset. It's right. just it's you the know, point you, of the thing. You know the code, right. and, now you do and it that's right. what has to happen. And, and it's almost like, you know, he acts really angry, right? right. Except, it, you know, if you have these two guys, right, really kind of seems like two guys who touched beforehand, <laughs> right. right, earlier on, we're finding out that they've been friends forever. Yeah. It's about to kill my kid, so right. I shot him. I right. didn't mean to kill him, but right. there you go. That the characters we actually had, Ed Harris would go, uh, well, you know, that's a bitch. Right. I mean, it's like right. he'd be like, it's ah. like that. You know, my kid was a bastard. Right. And I right. knew it the whole time and right. whatever. It just doesn't. It's like, but that's not a movie. Because, right. Because no. then it would just end. And yeah. We'd have no movie. But he goes like so ballistic. Yeah. And you know, it's the same sort of thing I actually got out of Liam Neeson's kid. Yeah. Because he plays character pretty good. Yeah. But I don't get a reason to really believe the character so much, right? right? Because if you grow up and you're Jimmy, whoever's Conlon's kid, kid, right? right. People are going, yeah. If if you grow up and you're his kid, we need something to happen that you hate him that much. Now you might easily, I think, avoid him and go, "I'm going to do my own life and you're criminal and everything," right? But it seems like you know later in the movie he finds out something, right? and it almost feels like he should have found that out a, a long, long time, time ago, ago. <laughs> and that's why he hates his dad so much, right? Because he hates his dad massively, right? And 
you don't really get any any reason for that. And we're just supposed to go, well, he grew up and found out his dad's bad guy. And so now right. he hates him and thinks that right. he's evil and stuff. And it's like, eh, I, I feel I like no, I agree. And I feel like in a lot of ways, the film exists on the basis of one sentence that might have been in a bar on a napkin. You know, they say this line back and forth to each other, even in the end oh. when it does work the best, which is, you know, Ed Harris tells Liam Neeson, and Liam Neeson echoes it backwards. He says, you know, we're together in this. When we cross that line, we'll do it together. Right. And he uses it both ways. It's supposed to be a supportive thing to make Liam Neeson feel like, hey, man, I know you're really screwed up. I don't know why, because you're you're clearly like on John Wick's level. When, when the switch gets thrown, right. everybody around right. you dies, and right. I know it. So why would I let that happen, you know? Right. But so that later Liam Neeson can sit back to him and have it as a chilling like reminder, like, okay, you pushed me to this, right. and now we're crossing so the line we're together. Going. Right. And it, it's that line that facilitates the whole film. Right. It's it's the acorn that makes this whole thing come about, and it's not a bad idea, but I'll be damned if they didn't put it in the worst hands to make this no, thing and, happen. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, too. Even that line, they even, I think, did that wrong, because that line could work, mm-hmm. right? But... This is a movie that thinks that you're pretty stupid because right. you came to this action movie. Right. So it's not like you have this one moment at the beginning where he says that when he's trying to make Liam yeah. Neeson feel better. Yeah. And then at the end, oh, Liam wow. Neeson says it again, right? Yeah. No, what it is is we think you're pretty dumb, so we say it like three a or bunch four of times. times in between, yeah. too. Yeah. Because otherwise, say it at the end and everyone will go, I don't remember that. What? Right. Shiny? Blow something up. Right. And it's just... The whole movie is kind of like that, right? Mm-hmm. It's like we have to know that uh, Jimmy's kid hates him, so he has to massively hate him. Like right. everything in this movie is turned up to eleven, right? Yeah. Everyone who's a bad guy is like the worst, the worst. guy ever. Yeah. The uh, you know they can just have like regular cops yeah. on the take, right? right? They're not cops on the take; they're cops that work for him, right? <laughs> right. They're, they're super they're on the take. They're cops yeah. that do whatever uh-huh. he says. It's like, really? Yeah. Can't they just be cops who look the other way or, right. do, you know, whatever? Right. Everything that happens, you know, is turned up to a limit. When his wife finds out oh, yeah, that right. he's uh, accused of something or whatever. Yep. Now, we get this thing at the beginning where they're not right super happy with each other right now or whatever. Yeah. But as soon as there's any suggestion that he's done something wrong, his wife is like, so you did it, didn't you? I yeah. mean, it's like, you know, everything is just so simplistic yeah. and turned up so high. That yeah. It's just, uh, it's just boring. And the worst part for me was that it was boring. There was a it's, lot of it that was trying to, even the car chase scene. Yeah. I was like, this is the world's most boring yeah. car chase scene yeah. ever. There's no room for fun and for development here because they don't trust it enough or they believe the way to show you fun. It's almost like if you had a horror film, and I know I'm jumping genres quick and we're running out of time even faster. But if you have a horror film and all you do is just show characters on the screen and then someone just shows up and just cutting them up. Right, exactly. Like, that's not scary. You don't have any investment. There's no investment in the characters here. And you've got talent like Liam Neeson, Ed Harris, Vincent D'Onofrio. You've got these guys. and Let them do their job. Don't feel like in order for me to feel anxious or excited, you've got a fast cut with a special effect to a car and then run it at 90 miles an yeah, hour. And the, that and, doesn't and do it for me. zooming you around yeah. from one location it, to it's another. It's all... All style over substance, and for me, this is like I like Liam Neeson's resurrection as to like the new, you know, sixty-five-year-old badass. Right. Don't like this entry. I like this entry way less than I like Taken Three, and I didn't really like that. Right. I mean, I, right. I just don't see what the point of this is. But anyway, yeah, we're we got to uh, wrap up pretty quick. Um, and I will just say, since you mentioned mentioned uh, D'Onofrio, you know, it's a weird thing for me where he made the movie worse being good yeah i know because I know, he showed it he showed he really up in showed. the diner yeah and that was all, a great scene all of a sudden that was like a really awesome scene and yeah. then you went oh well right now wait. we gotta go back then we move on to something else and you go oh that's right the rest of it is <laughs> garbage <laughs> and and you you paid yeah. attention more to how bad everything yeah. else was because yeah. you just saw him being really great i guess next week is insurgent yeah next week so. clearly insurgent yeah. uh so thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll be back next week, like we said. And, you know, that one is going to be interesting for me. That whole middle Very. kind of second book thing, yep. that's there's a whole connection with uh, – it's got to deal with 
how good the rest of the Hunger Games books have been right. and kind of live up to that. That's hard. And that's going to be an interesting one to see because the first one wasn't terrible. No, it wasn't I didn't bad. love it, but it wasn't that terrible. Was all right. Um, so that'll be interesting. And uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks for tuning in. Share, subscribe, rate us on iTunes and all that good stuff. And uh, we will <laughs> see you. See ya. Cabela's is coming to Northern Virginia with a spectacular new store in Gainesville. Find everything you need for hunting, fishing, camping, and shooting sports, plus much more. Join us for our grand opening celebration Thursday, March 9th at 10 a.m. Be one of the first 500 in line and receive a Cabela's gift card worth up to $500, plus a chance to win one of three Remington firearms. See store for details. Don't miss Cabela's grand opening in Gainesville, located off I-66 and Highway 29 near Virginia Gateway. Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison, here to tell you GEICO has more than just great savings. Much more. GEICO's been around for more than 75 years, back when they were using Morse code. Sorry, that's just my sense of humor. What's more, with GEICO, you get 24-7 access to licensed agents on the app, online, or over the phone, so you can talk to them at night or in the morning. So forevermore, just know that no other auto insurer has more more than GEICO. More power to you. GEICO. Expect great savings and a whole lot more.